0: What a beautiful uh, song for us to enjoy on this day uh, before Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s tomorrow, because tomorrow we celebrate and honor his birth and his legacy, um, because he brought to our nation a cultural movement toward equality and justice for all. Now, he was a very controversial character in his time, and in my opinion, the perfect person to be featured in our center this Sunday, in this month when our topic is a grand arising, in other words, an evolution in consciousness and expansion in our awareness of our shared humanity, the perfect person. As a champion of equality and justice, he, Dr. King, was met with vitriol and pushback. He was stabbed in New York. He was stoned in Chicago. He was um, well, frequently spat upon and um, jailed several times, and his home was and tragically, finally, he was murdered. Now, looking at our role him, I'm not advocating that anybody put themselves in the line of danger. But I am advocating that we look at our champions and follow the lead of our champions of social justice by becoming brave enough to care about and learn about our world and the affairs of our world. Even if it's exhausting. And difficult to do so. And then as spiritual beings, what we can do is we can ask, how does this vision that we have, you know, the global vision we talked about earlier on, how does this vision shape how I respond to this world? I've been doing that. I've been reading about the ongoing conflict in the Middle East and in Ukraine and in other parts of the world. And i got to tell you, I am... Well, shocked and also at the same time encouraged by this um, arising, what appears to be a growing global movement and awareness, a desire for transformational change with consideration for our shared humanity. And I want to be part of that uprising because it matches our global vision. Now, there are many ways to be part of this uprising, this growing awareness of our shared humanity, even right here at home, especially tomorrow on Martin Luther King Jr.'s day, because we we could get into action, we could do something good for others. Because, you know, doing something good for others will give you an authentic way to say, to proclaim that though the world is chaotic, still good things happen because they happen through you. And that is a great way to honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And also doing good will develop and strengthen your compassion muscle, and that's important. And I'm going to share with you today at the end of the the message some practical things that you and your entire family can do tomorrow to honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and do some good. Now, last week, Reverend Russ Lagier, he shared the expanded text of our global vision statement with the community. And I want to read it again today, but in an abbreviated form. And I want to read it because it gives the framework for why we do what we do. For why we would celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For why we would have nonprofit partnerships with organizations that are doing good work in the world. For why we encourage individuals to rise to their spiritual magnificence and to lean into the difficult experiences of the world and to educate themselves and to take a stand. Why? Well, here's why it's the global vision. We envision all people and all beings and all life as expression of the divine, and we see a world in which everyone lives in alignment with their highest spiritual principle, emphasizing connection with each other. We envision humanity awakening to its spiritual magnificence and discovering the creative power of their thought. We see a world in which we live and grow as one global family that respects and honors the the interconnectedness of all life. We envision a world where personal responsibility joins with social conscience everywhere, politics, corporations, academic circles, everywhere. And we envision a world in which everyone has enough food, a home, a sense of belonging, peace, justice. And we envision a world in which resources are valued, cared for, grown and shared and we envision a worldwide culture in which forgiveness is the norm and we envision a world that has renewed its emphasis on beauty and nature and love through creativity and art and aesthetics. In other words, we envision a world that works just a little bit better for everyone. Now, with that vision guiding a person who calls themselves a practicing member of the Center for Spiritual Living, with that vision in my heart and in my mind, now I can ask, how does this vision influence my actions? How does it inform me where to put my attention and where to put my energy in life? Because here at the center, we learn that there's value in cultivating this inner awareness and cultivating inner peace, because we know it can influence the external world. And today I'm asking, is it enough to envision a world where everyone is free from violence? Or to wish that citizens and and leaders will be guided by spiritual wisdom? Is it enough to admire the resilience of those who still hope for global assistance while they are in imminent danger? Perhaps I can go deeper. Perhaps I can ask, what actions can I take to further that vision? Now, each person will respond differently in their own way, according to what the seat of compassion in them guides them to do. When I asked myself that question, what came to me, I felt this urge to go to Amnesty International and sign that petition for an immediate end to the conflict in Gaza. That was mine to do to prevent further humanitarian crisis. And another action I feel strongly called to do is to continue to learn and educate myself about conflicts in this world and the condition of human rights. That's mine to do. And then as I learn, now I can speak to people in my circle about what I'm learning and about what I think I understand and then check my perspective and my bias and my prejudice through talking about it, especially with people who don't share my opinion. <sighs> because I want to, and I learned this at the center, I want to balance my inner work with outer action. I do believe in spiritual mind treatment. That's our form of affirmative prayer. I do believe in visioning and the use of imagination. And I do believe that these tools can help me stay open to the possibility of something extraordinary and miraculous happening. And I also believe that these tools can guide me. When I use them and pay attention to them, they can guide me into action if I will listen. And I believe your perspective and your action is vital too. Now, I can't tell you what to do in the world, but let's say, for example, if you feel the urge and you feel that you're starting to be moved to learn more about human rights issues in the world, there's so much resource out there, you just have to be willing to go and look. You might be interested in reading the United Nations Human Rights Resources webpage, or you might find the Amnesty International's educational research pays very useful. Or you might find Harvard School of Public Health brief introduction to human rights, which is not brief. <laughs> That's so good. Now, human rights, racial and gender equality, These are not explicitly discussed in the textbooks of our tradition, the Science of Mind text that we use. They're not explicitly addressed yet. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, was an advocate for equality. Let me tell you a story I've told before. In 1945, our magazine, our movement has a magazine, it's called The Science of Mind. And in it, it used to feature a list of all the centers for spiritual living across the nation, across the world. And in 1945, this list of centers separated out the Third Church of Religious Science, that was one of our centers, and put it at the bottom of the list with an asterisk and a designation of colored. Dr. Ernest Holmes himself got into it. He intervened. And he made sure that that error was corrected right quick and that it would never be made again. And he went to that center and spoke, saying notably, This we must affirm. We are all children of one living spirit, one spirit that permeates all without exception, one intelligence that governs all. And most importantly, every person who abides in the universe is a significant entity in the universal consciousness. Our doors, and now he's talking to us today and for us, our doors will forever be open to all, whoever you are. Be proud. You are a divine idea in the mind of God. See what he was doing? He was balancing his inner conviction with outer action. He didn't just think about it and say affirmations. He didn't only send thoughts and prayers. He didn't only visualize a harmonious resolution. He got up. He added action. Now, at the time, Reverend Arthur Twine was the senior minister at the Third Church of Religious Science, and today, Reverend Twine's granddaughter, Reverend Stacy Hilton, is the Las Vegas Center for Spiritual Living's co-senior minister and also an active leader within Centers for Spiritual Living. And on this day, when we celebrate Dr. King's legacy, it's very important to me to remember our history And also honor the black new thought leaders of our past and our present. One of the troubling bits of feedback I get whenever I talk about social issues is this. Something like this. I don't come to services to get a lesson on history. Or I don't come to Sunday services to hear about politics. I don't come to Sunday services to be disturbed. I want to be inspired. I have empathy for that. I'm on the same bus. And yet, right in the words of our global vision, right inside of our teaching of oneness and connection, there seems to be, at least to me, there seems to be an imperative to grow beyond what I'm comfortable with and to continue to evolve and contribute to the world, to change my life. Today, I realize again that to choose to not grow, to choose to not face the challenges of the world, is a form of privilege. For me, it's a privilege to have the choice to not have to think about it to not have to talk about politics, to not have to address oppression. It's a privilege that those who are suffering do not have. I read a social media post. There's a, a white woman was talking about privilege, and she wrote this. I am worried because my son is starting to drive. <laughs> Anybody who has a son starting to drive can probably identify with her. What I'm not worried about is how the police will treat him if he is pulled over. That is a privilege I have that African-American mothers do not have access to. And I'm guessing that they don't want me to lose my privilege, they just want to have it too. Now, I learned in this science of mine teaching that things like privilege and Bias and blind spots. These make up what we call, in the language of our teaching, our hidden belief system. And they're hidden belief systems because they are the invisible influences that are working inside of us, influencing how I move through this world. They might even be keeping me stuck where I am. That's why we learn to change our mind, to change our lives. They might be keeping, they might be also contributing to keeping the whole world around me through my expression stuck where it is. And then as I become aware of them, my privilege, my bias, as I become aware of them, then I can start contributing to the world in a different new way. And that is how a new day begins. By the way, Harvard University has an online, implicit, bias association quiz we've put it on our website so if you go to our website you'll see the harvard implicit bias association quiz that you can use to explore and examine your thinking about what is masculine and what is feminine in your thinking you might be surprised i was It's a way of examining your inner life. And Eckhart Tolle tweeted, a long time ago, he tweeted, the moment you start watching your thoughts, a higher level of consciousness becomes activated. That's how we awaken to a new day, by watching our thoughts looking at what we take as normal, take for granted, discover as we can what is hidden below the surface and then expand from that. I can't even remember where I read the study, which book it was, but I remember the study. It made an impression upon me. Maybe you heard of that social experiment in which 10 people were interviewed. They were sent to be interviewed by a company. But before they went into the office for the interview, they were each they got a red dot painted onto their cheek. And then um, they were to go into the office, sit across from the interviewer, and then after the interview, they were debriefed. And every single one of them said that the interviewer kept on staring at that dot on their cheek. The, The kicker is that five of them had no dot. It was painted clear. Still, they were sure that the interviewer was staring at it. And the exercise is said to show that people feel self-conscious about whatever it is that makes them feel insecure. And this might relate to absolutely anything, you know, age, height, whatever it is, whatever is considered to be negative in society. And so I was thinking about that and how in my life I felt that people have had biases against me and have been focusing on my red dot. Whether accurate or make-believe, the belief in my red dot I've learned at the Center for Spiritual Living is something that I need to dismantle. Dismantle long-held beliefs by questioning them and using my imagination to ask myself, how would I be if I didn't focus on whatever it is I think my red dot is? And here's where I'm going with this. It got me to thinking about, how do I make other people feel self-conscious? By what I'm focusing on in them. When I look at someone, what's the first thing I see? Their race? Their age? The gender, the weight. And whatever it is I see, there's nothing wrong about what I see. But here's the question. What have I been taught to think about these qualifiers? And it can be scary to admit that it might have prejudice, might have bias. And it's encouraging also to know that we are capable of rising above them and doing good in the world despite them. Did you hear about the story? It was in 2017 when a family, a whole family, got washed out by a dangerous riptide into the sea in Florida. Whole family. There was no lifeguard on duty at the time. And in the group, there was an 8-year-old, there was an 11-year-old, the mother, and a total of 10 of the family members got just swept out. And a woman on the beach noticed all the people on the beach looking, going, I wonder what's going on. And these people were struggling in the ocean. Maybe it's a shark. They said. And she thought to herself, What the heck is going on here? And she said to herself, These people are not drowning today. It's not happening. And so she started shouting, Form a human chain. And then five people held arm to arm, and then 10 people. And then very soon, there were 80 people, arm to arm, holding onto each other, making their way. And some of the people in the human chain couldn't swim. They got to the people who were distressed. Where the mother was, while she was in a state, she could barely keep her head above water. She almost blacked out. And then they grabbed them one at a time and started passing them back across the human chain. All the way back to the beach. And it took them nearly an hour. But all ten of the people were safe on the shore. And the rescued bomb said it was the beachgoers and grace that saved them. Grace. What well, grace is? Grace is defined as the unearned favor. See, and here's why it's applicable. That family out in the water, they didn't do anything to deserve that kindness. To earn it, they received it anyway. Now, here's the thing. Imagine if the lady who started the human chain rescue effort looked out first into the water and said to herself, hmm, wait a minute, are they white? Hmm, are they Asian? Are those people out there, are they Palestinian? Are they Israelis? Wait, let me see, are they guilty? What have they done? Are those kids, are those kids gay? Wait, they look like they're wearing Republican colors. Wait, they might be libertarians, Wait, no. None of that happened. People of different races, different genders, different politics, different abilities can come together to help people they don't know anything about. Just because they're people in distress. It can be done. And there is something stirringly beautiful and hopeful about that. Tomorrow is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s day. And some people think of this day as a day on, not a day off. That's the motto for AmeriCorps. That's the uh, federal agency that provides resources for first responders during challenging times. And reading that inspired me to think of and curate a list of opportunities for our community where we might do something according to our desire, tomorrow to honor Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy. Now, these resources are also on our website for you, so you can access them later. Here's one, MLK Day of Service. You can join forces with the Community Baptist Church and Santa Rosa Recreation and Parks to beautify MLK Park, which is at 1208 Handley Street. And uh, the tasks for volunteers include litter pickup, pick up, mulching, and weeding. And there will be tools provided and refreshments provided. And so that makes it a real family-friendly friend, family event. There's a link on our website if that's something you want to do. But if you don't feel like you want to get up and go out to do anything, there are things that you can do right at home. Here's one. Read Aloud Children's Book Project. This is Global Citizen is the name of the organization in collaboration with another organization called Read by Forth. Campaign And it invites volunteers, which you can do at home, using a Zoom recorder, to bring children's stories to life. And they're especially looking for stories that are themed around Dr. King, civil engagement, and civil rights. And so then the, the, the resulting videos are shared on YouTube for families everywhere to enjoy. Of course, you could donate blood. That's always a good way to exercise your civic ability to make a difference. Then there's another one. The King Center has got videos, so you can arrange a viewing party with friends where you can watch videos that commemorate the life and accomplishments of Dr. Martin Luther King. Link on our website. And here's another one you can do right from home. You can create a virtual fundraiser to support, I don't know, any organization that effectively supports humanity raising awareness of human rights and lifts up people to their spiritual magnificence. You can do it on Facebook. Every person who has a Facebook account can create a virtual fundraiser. That's something you can do. This Martin Luther King Jr. Day is awakening in me a reminder that we are capable of loving kindness. That we have the power to look beyond our conditioning and our biases and do good anyway. That we don't have to wait until our lives and our minds and our hearts are perfect before we do something to help those who are struggling. I invite you to breathe in with me. And as you exhale, let your eyes close, if you feel comfortable doing so, for a moment of prayer. There is only one life that we are all part of. It is everywhere present. It is the energy of creation. It is eternal, immortal, and persistently present. I am part of that life, as is every person in this sanctuary. And as I recognize this unity with life, I recognize, too, that it is my point of connection with all that is. And so together, feeling this sense of deep camaraderie and connection... I turn into that seat of consciousness within, that place where love pours from, where creativity is resident, to turn to it to ask that it guide me and all who are open to being guided into creative expression of oneness and connectivity of goodness so that hope and resilience might keep on rising up this new day and every new day that follows. With a deep sense of gratitude for the willingness to follow this urge from within, I release this word of prayer into that aspect of the divine that we call the law. We mean that energy of creation that responds and translates the sincere desires and visions of our heart into action. And sealing this prayer, I invite you to say with me, and so it is.